Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our New Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. So this is the fourth message in our Advent series, and next week we will be celebrating Christmas, Christmas Day, which means this is the last uh, message in our series uh, before, before we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Sadly, you know, in our culture today, um, the true meaning of Christmas can fade in the background um, as we hustle about purchasing gifts for everyone and preparing meals and trying to get family together. And uh, a lot of times we, we often celebrate the idea of Christmas. We, we celebrate just, we, we celebrate the celebration sometimes. And uh, it's good for us to gather together and like this and to remind ourselves of why we are celebrating together, why we celebrate Christmas, the significance behind the birth of Christ. So why do we celebrate the birth of Jesus? It's to rejoice, to be in awe and of this fulfillment of a promise that was given long ago. That's why we're celebrating his birth. Jesus was born to correct a wrong, to bring life where there is death, he was born in order to reverse the curse. That's, that's what this series is all about, and that's what we've been talking about these past three or four Sundays. And so that's why I'm wearing a bright green T-shirt, reverse the curse. It uh, comes out of Uno. Um, like, I don't know about you, but just uh, wearing this makes me want to play the card game even more. But the I. But that's the idea, this, this whole point and, and what we're looking at when it comes to Jesus' birth is that he came to reverse the curse. It starts way back in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent and they ate from this tree. They called it the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the result of their disobedience was enmity, enmity between uh, all of humanity and the world, right? There's conflict between us and the world, and that's kind of uh, the, the image of that, or how that's represented is that um, the, the ground will produce thorns and thistles, right? And um, with much pain and work, you know, we produce food and try to survive on this planet. And there's enmity between us and nature, and we can just think of other things like earthquakes or tornadoes. We've experienced that uh, th these past few weeks and, and how destructive nature can be. So there's enmity there. There's enmity within relationships, and that's represented between the husband and the wife, right? Back in Genesis 3, there's also enmity between us and our own bodies. Our bodies break down. They decay. We, we get diseases. 
viruses, and in the end, we have to face death. So there's enmity with our own bodies, and there's also enmity with the evil one himself, Satan. So we see all this in Genesis 3. However, even as God proclaims this curse of death and enmity, he subtly introduces a hope. God announces to the serpent, this is in Genesis 3.15. This is one you want to star or circle or underline. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between you and your offspring and her offspring. And this is the declaration right here. Here's, here's the future promise. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the question is, who is the offspring that will come and fulfill this promise? Who will be the serpent crusher? Now, Genesis 3 through 11 continues to reveal the severity of sin. But then we get to chapter 12, and again, we see this glimmer of hope. So we see this glimmer of hope in Genesis 3. Now we're going to see it in Genesis 12. We see God begin to reveal this plan of redemption. And what's so astounding about this plan is that it begins with God initiating a relationship with this man named Abram. We know him as Abraham. He calls Abram to go and follow where he leads, and God makes this covenant promise with him. And this is it, Genesis 12, verse 3. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So that is referring to a future offspring, and we see he will come through this line of Abraham. Through the line of Abraham will this offspring come, and he will be a blessing. Several chapters and several years later, we get to King David. King David, a man after God's own heart, and he is also given a revelation of this future promise or what we would call a covenant promise of, of an offspring. And it comes in this way. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16. God says this to, to David, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And it's going to be through this offspring. So let me just summarize. This is our past three weeks, by the way. This is kind of a review of the past three weeks. There will be an offspring who will crush the serpent's head, who will bless the families of all the earth, and who will reign as king forever. So these Old Testament promises, what we've been talking about these past three weeks, are pointing to this future offspring that will accomplish these three things. And all of this comes together when an angel visits a young woman in Nazareth. Her name was Mary. So this angel comes, and in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 30 through 31, this is what he says to her. Mary, don't be afraid, 
For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. This is why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. He is the promised Messiah, the one who is to come, the one who is to be our Savior, the one who is to reverse the curse. Now, it will require him to be born like one of us, to live a life of righteousness, to die on the cross, and three days later to be raised again and to be seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. That's what it will require. And so these past three weeks, we've been looking at the Old Testament, which which points to this future promised Messiah. And this week, we're going to jump ahead. Now we're going to the book of Revelation and seeing how it, this, this all culminates, how this all comes together in the crushing of the serpent and the ultimate victory over death. That's what we're going to see. So here's, here's the whole idea for today, at least I would say through, through this whole series. This is the hope. This is, this is our hope in, in, um, in preaching these various passages. It's so that we can rejoice and also have assurance that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection was sufficient, was sufficient to reverse the curse that we see back in Genesis 3. His life, his death, and his resurrection is sufficient. He accomplished what we could not. He did it, and it is finished. Amen? So let's read Revelation chapter 12. And after we read it, we're going to need to pray. Because this is, this is a crazy uh, chapter. And hopefully we can uh, work through it a little bit and, and uh, point out some significant things. So let's let me pray, and or let me read it, and then we'll pray. Revelation 12, verses 1 through 17. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads... Seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them into the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore the child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and out into his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. 
And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and a times and a half a time. When the serpent poured water, the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and ask, Lord, uh, there's a lot here in this passage. There's a lot that we probably scratch our heads looking at and reading and trying to figure out what it means. Father, I just, I just pray that uh, what you want us to make clear, what you want me to make clear, will be clear. Um, and, and how it points to the birth of Jesus and what it really means. So, Lord, we, we pray this. Give us clarity today. May we hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so chapter 12, there is a lot going on here. I wanted to read the whole chapter to you because we're not going to get into everything. Um, it's, if we did, it would get kind of distracting uh, for the reason why we're going over this series. But there are some significant verses in this chapter that are really important when it comes to the series of reversing the curse and, how, and, and what that all means with Jesus being born. So I'm going to try to unpack this. And in, in a way, what this does, Revelation, this chapter 12, relates back to what we've already been talking about. It relates back to Genesis 3. It relates back to Genesis 12. It relates back to 2 Samuel. So buckle your seatbelts. We're, we're in for a ride. Um, looking at Revelation, it's using a lot of imagery, and it's, com it's communicating spiritual truths. Okay, so I'm going to point a few of these out. I'm not going to point out all of them. I'm going to just point out a few of them. The first is in the first few verses, we, we, we see these signs. What are these signs that John the Apostle is describing to us? Well, these two signs, one is the woman who is giving birth is a sign, and the second is the dragon who wants to devour the child that, that's from this woman. So let's try to figure out what these signs are, and we're going to start with one I think is a little more easy to, to figure out, and that is the serpent or the dragon. Sorry, I already gave it away. Let's, um, we're going to start with this dragon. Who is the dragon? 
Well, thank you. <laughs> How did you guys know? Uh, Revelation verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Kind of, it, it tells us, right? Uh, the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, that's how he's described, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. So obviously, we know right here, John is telling us, it's Satan, it's the evil one, it's the devil, it's our enemy, but he's also describing him as the ancient serpent, allowing us to point back to something, and also describing him as the deceiver. And so if you go back to Genesis 3, after Eve had that conversation with the serpent, and after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, they hid themselves from the Lord. Remember, they, they saw that they were naked, and they were like, oh man, this is embarrassing. And so they, they kind of get behind some bushes, and, and God comes, and he's looking around for them, and, and they're not around, right? They're ducking under these bushes, and you can kind of see this image where God's like, uh, he knows where they are. Adam and Eve, where are you? And you can kind of, you can imagine their eyes popping up. Hey, we're, we're here. Why are you hiding? Well, we, we saw that, that we're naked. We're ashamed, and so we're hiding. And this is how God responds back. Well, he, he realizes what took place, right? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat from? They're like, so this is what takes place. Listen to this. This is um, Genesis, I think it's 3.13. I think I made a mistake. Yep, Evie's got it right. Okay, it says this. Then the Lord God said to the woman, who is this that, or what is this that you have done? And this is how the woman responds back. The serpent deceived me. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So there it is, way back in Genesis, the ancient serpent, the deceiver, deceived Eve. He was the one that instigated the fall of mankind and the corruption of God's good creation. He was there in the beginning, and now we see him here in the book of Revelation. This ancient serpent who deceives. He deceived Eve. And now we see at this time that it's described in Revelation that he's the deceiver of the whole world. Sure, it started with Eve, but the man did not, the man, <laughs> the devil, the fallen angel did not stop. His job description did not change throughout history. What he started long ago, he continues to do to this day, and that is to deceive he was a deceiver back then, and he's a deceiver today. Friends, Satan is still in the world today, doing what he does best, deceiving the world into thinking that God is not good, that God does not have the best for us. He deceives us into thinking that we should live for ourselves and do what is right in our own eyes, to do what is right in our own eyes. He's continuing that work today. But something wonderful took place long ago in a little town called Bethlehem. A child was born. 
And this child would later grow up and begin a ministry. And his ministry starts with this message. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. In fact, he would even grow up and have the audacity to say this, this statement that we find in John 14. As he's proclaiming this truth, he declares, John 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus doesn't merely speak the truth. He is the truth. He is the truth. And what can stomp out deceit? What is it that stomps out deceit? It's the truth. Just as light conquers the darkness, so does Jesus conquer Satan the deceiver. Right? Jesus is bringing truth, which is light, to the world. And it envelops the darkness. It destroys the darkness. Jesus is the truth. The dragon is the deceiver. And who's going to win in the end? The truth. So in the book of Revelation, when this dragon, this serpent of old, this deceiver of the world faces off against Jesus, who embodies the truth, we know who will be victorious. And we see this in Revelation 20. It says, When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come to deceive the nations. There he goes again. Deceiving the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, God and Magog, to, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, and they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them, there it is again, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beasts and the false prophets were. And they were all, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's the end. That's the end. So that's the sign of the dragon. It's the evil one, the deceiver, the one, the serpent of old that has come. And what we see is that Jesus is the serpent crusher, the truth. All right, so that's one sign. Now we need to look at the sign of this woman giving birth. And I think this woman is a representation of the nation of Israel, and it's, and it's referring back to what we call the Abrahamic covenant, this covenant promise that was given to Abram back in Genesis 12. So Genesis 12, 3 says this. This is God giving a promise to Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who honors you, I will curse, and in you. You can underline that little phrase, in you. Out of your seed, the offspring, your offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is the promise. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. So remember that Genesis chapter 12 is the beginning of this redemptive plan that is taking place. And he starts with Abraham, which then leads to Isaac. Isaac leads 
to Jacob. And it's from Jacob that we know from the stories in our Sunday school classes back in the day that out of Jacob comes the 12 nations of Israel, right? It's, it's 12 sons that he has. And it's out of those 12 sons we get the 12 tribes of Israel that make up the nation itself. So these 12 sons, now let's remember who these 12 sons are, at least one of them. One of the 12 sons was a man named Joseph. You guys remember the story of Joseph? He was the favorite of the sons, right? Uh, you're not supposed to play favorites as a, as a father, but I guess Jacob did. Um, it was, that was his favorite, and, uh, and Jacob was blessed, or Joseph was blessed, blessed by God to be given dreams and visions. And so this, this is how the story goes, right? He, he has this dream, and he decides to tell his brothers this dream. doesn't go well for him, does it, to tell? Don't always tell your dreams to your family. Um, here it is, though. This is what he tells him, Genesis 37, verse 9. Then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I have dreamed another dream. This is the dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars are bowing down to me. The twelfth star, right? The eleven stars are his brothers, right? Eleven, you all, eleven stars, are bowing down to me. Why do you think the brothers would be upset with that, right? But those are the eleven stars. Joseph's the twelfth star. Who's the sun and the moon then? It would be Joseph's parents, right? Jacob and Rachel. His family is bowing down to him. But what the point in, in um, what I'm trying to point out here is way back then in this vision, the, 12, the 11 stars or the 12 stars are representing these 12 brothers who will become the nation of Israel, right? So it's out of this family tree comes the nation of Israel. Okay, so... Let's jump to Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. Look at the sign of the woman. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with what? The sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Revelation, this image is pointing back to the nation of Israel. This is the sign referring back to this Abrahamic promise that it's through his line that all families of the world will be blessed. Revelation 12 refers to this child being born as this blessing. Okay, it's making a connection. This promise to Abraham of this blessing to come to all the families, it's not, uh, it's not land, um, it's not wealth, um, it's, it's not being uh, a great nation, this blessing to come is a person, is a child that will grow up to be a Messiah, a Savior. That's what we are celebrating on Christmas Day, a blessing that was promised, a blessing that was promised long ago. And he came not just for the people of Israel, but he came to bless all families of the world. All families. It's not just 
Western civilization. It's not just uh, Western Europe that he came to save or America to save. He came for the whole world. Friends, this is why this is why we support missions and missionaries. This is why we have a passion to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's not just for our own people or our own country or our own families, but it's for all families. This is why we send Jeff, Pastor Jeff, out overseas to train other pastors to preach the gospel. That's why we do these things, because the gospel, Jesus Christ himself and what he has done is for all families. He's a blessing to all families. So not only is Jesus the serpent crusher, not only is he a blessing to all families of the world, but he is also the promised son who will rule on his throne forever. So Revelation chapter 12, verse 5 says this, that this woman, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron. So you can underline that phrase too. One who is to rule all nations. Again, this refers back to another covenant promise. And we already talked about this last week. Jeff talked about this. It's, it, it comes through King David. It's given to King David. And it refers back to uh, 2 Samuel 7, verse 16. Here's the promise that God gives to David. He says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Your throne shall be established forever. How in the world is God going to fulfill this, this promise, this covenant promise? Because if you read the story of David, right, David falls short, right? He sins, falls short. There's consequences to his sin. Next comes his son Solomon. Is he the one that will rule forever? No. He is very wise, right? And he's very prosperous. But even his sin, it, you know, it's through his sin that the kingdom becomes divided. And then after that, these kings come in, in these two different kingdoms now, and, and they keep falling short, right? There might be a good king, but then the next king is terrible. And we see this cycle of sin that takes place to finally God says, enough. And he takes the nation, he takes the land, he takes the kingdom away from Israel. What? God, what about this promise? What about this promise that there will be one on the throne of, of David forever? Luke, let's go back to Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. We, we read part of it, but I didn't read all of it. This is the angel again coming to Mary. This is what he's proclaiming to her. He says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Oh, he doesn't stop. He says, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of this kingdom there will be no end. Here it is. The angels referring back to this promise given to David. This is the one to come. 
This is the promise that I gave to King David. It's Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, on December 25th, we are not just celebrating the birth of a serpent crusher or a blessing that will come to all families. We're also celebrating the birth of our king. The birth of our king. This king who was born on Christmas Day many years later, all, all starts, this all starts with this ministry. <clears throat> Let me try this again. This king who was born on Christmas Day, many years later, when he gets into his ministry, remember what he proclaims, what he preaches the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. Three years later, as he goes through this ministry, his ministry ends as he's hung on a cross. And overhead in this, there's an inscription overhead on this cross. And it reads, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. At the very beginning of his birth, it's prophesied that he's going to be the king that is to come. During the beginning of his ministry, it's proclaimed that his kingdom is coming. And even at his death, he's declared king of the Jews. Here's the wonderful thing, though. We know that the story doesn't end there. Three days later, this king will rise from the grave and sit upon his throne while he will judge the living and the dead. This is why Christmas is not a day of mourning. It's not why we are sad on Christmas Day. It's not a child born who later ends in tragedy. Jesus was raised from the dead and is now seated on his throne. And so when we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating the birth of our King who reigns forever. Amen? So let me summarize and, and close this one last time. We celebrate Christmas. When we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating the birth of the serpent crusher. We are celebrating the blessing to all families of the world. We are celebrating the king who will reign on his throne forever. And we are celebrating the curse that is reversed. The reversal of this curse. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. Remember way back in Eden, everything was good. All things were at peace with one another. Adam and Eve walked with God and there was no pain and no suffering and there was no death. Then sin entered the world and with sin came enmity and the curse of death. Adam and Eve were kicked out of Eden. They were kicked out of paradise. They were separated from God, their creator. Separation from God. Separation from what is good. On Christmas Day, a child was born who would change everything. Who would change everything. And we see it culminate to this end. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. This is why Jesus was born. 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Behold, the dwelling place of God is back with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Either shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. The curse is reversed. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. It is done. I am the Alpha, the beginning. And the Omega, the end. That's why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we want to thank you for your revealed word. How you keep pointing to Jesus. Because so often we forget. We get so distracted during this time with, with everything that we need to get done. We make this time so hectic. And because of it, we... we the importance of the birth of Jesus and the significance of it begins to kind of fade in the background. But Father, these passages, man, they reveal in such strong imagery what you have accomplished for us. That we may be saved from our sin, that we are forgiven, and it was through the work of Jesus that death was defeated. And now we have this future hope of a future resurrection, Lord. It's all because of Jesus. It was all because he was born on that Christmas day. So Lord, we come before you as the bride of Christ, as the church, to worship you, to give praise to you for how great you are and the salvation you've given. So Lord, thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.